Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, who's been the Bucks' best player on defense and training camp? Well, here's a hint. It's a rookie, but it's not Devin White. We'll tell you about the choreographed celebration that the Bucks defense had on Monday as well. And the Tampa Bay Lightning signed Andre Vasilevsky to an eight-year, $76 million contract that really kicks in next year. Was that the right move? And what about Braden Point? And the Major League Baseball trading deadline is fast approaching. Will the Rays make a move? And we've got some numbers to show you just how bad the Rays' bullpen has been despite their relatively low earn-run average. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Well, for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest. That's right, on, for 72 months on their qualifying equipment. You can give them a call at 727-862-2100 and take advantage of of this great offer on some uh, brand new quality train air conditioning units, or you can schedule service or maintenance. Call these folks at 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. All right, Steve, uh, day two in pads for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and for the third time in four days since they started practicing, surprise, surprise, around 4 o'clock, guess what happened? That's right, it's August. And that means it's the rainiest season, rainiest month of the year. And you can set your watch to the thunderstorms. And so they got chased inside again. You know, I forget what they did before they had a an indoor facility. I literally have forgotten, which has only been, what, three years um, since they built that, that contraption. Remember, it was being constructed during the hard knocks days. Mm-hmm. And um, now it's just, uh, I guess the good news is, is that there's no delays. You can say they used to run out and then the lightning detector would go off. And then the Bucks would have to go back in for 20 minutes because that you know it's got to be all clear. And then they'd come out again, and then maybe the horn would go off again. And th- this would continue uh, until they could finally get outside, or they would just uh, you know wait it out. And then some you know, once in a blue moon, they would you know take a bus over to USF and practice on their on their fields over there at night. They had lights. I mean, it was crazy. Now at least you know you know it's sort of like going to the trop. You know they're at least going to throw a first pitch at, at around 7:10 or so. And so the box went back inside. Um, wasn't raining when they went in, but it was there was you know some some bad weather around. You know Bruce Arian says that uh, you know he thought about halfway through going back on the field, but he didn't want to go back and forth and all that. Um, look, I I think they at some you know at some point they're going to change the schedule. The the stated reason for practicing at four is that they play that's when they play some or many of their games. Uh, including the season opener against San Francisco because the league is kind enough to not make him go out there and melt at 1 o'clock in September. Um, but, you know, they, they also, um, you know, have some 1 o'clock games and, 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 you know, a Thursday night game, four games into the season at 8.30. Now, you know, after they take their day off on Wednesday of this week, they have three straight practices that are all at night. They're all at 6.30 p.m. 
So maybe the the bad weather will be gone. Uh, I think those are already scheduled, or some of them, for being indoors. One is a military uh, appreciation night, uh, so it's kind of a closed practice. So, you know, the more time you spend on that turf, I, I don't, you know, again, I don't have data to prove this, but, you know, clearly it's uh, it's not something that, that wears as well as grass on players' knees and joints and things like that. In fact, even though we're just the second day in pads, Already you had Indomitong Sue that was uh, sort of taking a maintenance day. Cam Brait, who's coming off hip surgery. They didn't want him back on the turf, you know, that many days in a row. And so, you know, you're starting to see, um, you know, some of the veterans be scattered in there. Nothing serious, um, thank goodness. But, uh, you know, Mike Evans was back after a little bit of a leg cramp. Donovan Smith came back. So that part was good. But, you know, it, it just it stands to reason that, they were going to get chased inside a bit if they're going to try to practice at four o'clock and they did, uh, but they still had a good practice. It was still uh, very lively. I think that's the biggest thing, you know, as you, if you go out there and you want to watch uh, the bucks uh, practice and fly around immediately, what you're going to see in the preseason, what you're going to see uh, in practice or wherever you do see the bucks is that this is not and thankfully. So the same defense or even close to the same scheme that they've run uh, down here in some time. I mean, uh, this defense is sort of an amoeba-type defense that, that can morph into anything it wants to be on any given play, and that's sort of the genius of it is that, you know, Todd Bowles is is bringing a lot of pressure from a lot of different angles, um, you know, trying to get the offense to spend a lot of time at the line of scrimmage, you know, pointing out uh, possible blitz pickups and, uh, you know, different things like that. And so, you know, with all that's going on and the clock running down, you create you create pressure whether you get home or not on the offense to sort of react to that. And I will say that uh, you know if this were a live sort of live football, live tackling, those quarterbacks right now they they'd be looking for about their fifth or sixth quarterback because there have been some guys just come absolutely scot free from all angles, whether it's defensive ends or corners or safeties. Um, you know these guys have had a lot of mental mistakes and and not picking up. Uh, you know, certain things where the quarterback would get hit. Now, they don't hit the quarterback, so the guy runs by him, taps him, whatever. And then many times quarterback will create, you know, complete a pass and the crowd will go wild like they did something. But the reality is is that guys like Noah Spence, um, you know, some of the defensive backs are, are, are getting home, some of the linebackers. And so, um, you know, the offensive line has some work to do. And not just the first group. I mean, the second group has been bad too. And so, you know, it's it's been a defensive couple of days. I mean, I think I think the offense fought back a little bit on on Monday, but they didn't they didn't really completely dominate. And the the, the player that that I keep watching that keeps standing out, and I'm going to be writing about him, I believe for that'd be for Wednesday's paper. If you want to check it out on TampaBay.com, is Mike Edwards, who's the the safety from Kentucky that they took in the third round. Um, this was not a first round pick or a second round pick. You know, they they obviously uh, you know selected three different defensive backs, including um, Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean. But I'm telling you, it's Edwards who is running with the starting group. You know, of the three, he right now is the guy who's in the first team defense. They got him at free safety. He had been playing strong safety uh, with the injury to Justin Evans, who is you know still on. The physically unable to perform list. It's active, so they can activate him any time when he's ready. Doesn't look like he's going to be ready very soon. But 
that necessitated, you know, the move from Edwards to from free to free safety. Um, but he is still just uh, one of those rare guys that uh, can anticipate routes, uh, can you know, jumps passes a lot of times, but is very physical too. He can come down in the box. The closest thing that you would you would say is that if you've watched the Cardinals offense or defense in the past under Todd Bowles when he was there, you understood that Tyrone Matthew, the Honey Badger, was was the key piece, sort of the wild card of that defense, a guy that was so versatile and so rare in his skill set that he could come down and root out ball carriers, you know, against three hundred pound you know offensive linemen uh, trying to wear on him. Uh, as easily as he could drop back into coverage and, you know, create interceptions and havoc there. Uh, he was a physical player. Mike Edwards is a physical player, more so than you realize. But his ball awareness and his ability to uh, understand, you know, the route concepts and put himself in position to make plays on the football is what has really stood out even since OTAs. And now that, you know, they're in pads and things are happening faster – you know, the offense is, is going to be under pressure. The quarterbacks are under duress. And he had two interceptions on Monday, the second of which, again, if you go on TampaBay.com or my Twitter feed, at NFL Stroud, you'll see this. But, he, uh, you know, Ryan Griffin was dropping back, and, and he was under pressure. and Throws one out there uh, to one of the rookies, Schnell, I believe. And, you know, from, from deep safety uh, – Mike Edwards reads it, intercepts it, and takes it to the house. It's a pick six. I mean, he's he's high-stepping like Deion Sanders on the way to the end zone. But the really funny thing was is that this, this entire defensive group, many of them young guys that were on the field at the time, uh, decided, you know what, let's, let's all uh, begin a choreographed roller coaster-like celebration where they mimicked being on a roller coaster with Jordan Whitehead in the front seat. And it was well done. It was well choreographed, and, and it was funny. But, man, what does it take for guys – I guess they're happy to be in the end zone, Steve, but what does it take for guys to have a, a end zone celebration during practice? Your second padded day of practice. I mean, you're not even through yes. one week yet of training camp, and you're already doing the, the celebrations. I mean, if, <laughs> if this is the appetizer for the season, i got to see what they do during the regular season. <laughs> I'm saying. I mean, I guess you could practice everything. You can practice choreographing uh, you know, celebrations – when you're when you're good enough to to get in the end zone, if if they plan on being there, look. Last year, uh, we know how bad this defense was, and they were really bad in the secondary. I mean, at least that's where the biggest deficiency showed up. Now they weren't, you know, great any place, but but we know, for example, that you know, quarterbacks had, you know, the highest rating against Tampa Bay than any team in the NFL. I think it was like an FM station. It was like one oh five five or something, and so. You know, they they were pretty much riddled anytime they wanted to be. I mean, they had young guys like Carlton Davis that started 12 games with zero interceptions and only four passes defense. We know Hargraves went out early, and they were rotating guys like M.J. Stewart and Ryan Smith. And, oh, yeah, have we already forgotten about Grimes, you know, and Miko's Miko's husband. Well, Frank he's Grimes, got an excuse. He wasn't he wasn't paid enough to defend the top guys, so he wasn't getting good, the ball thrown point. a lot. That's right. They didn't pay him to play press coverage. So he's out of the league, by the way, and for good reasons. So that that was your secondary, you know, along with Justin Evans who got hurt, um, Jordan Whitehead, who was a rookie. So it was an absolute disaster, you know. And we talked to Carlton Davis a little bit on Monday. And, you know, he was asked point blank, you know, do you guys 
think you can be a better defense or, or you know, yeah, a better defense or one of the better defenses in the NFL. He says, we already are. Now, that's pretty bold for, you know, two days in pads, but that's how much confidence these guys have uh, in just the schematics and, and the, di- the various things they've seen from Todd Bowles, who, you know, look, by all accounts, Bowles has been successful as a defensive coordinator. We know what he's about. He's about bringing pressure. He's about multiple looks. Um, you know, he's going to move guys around all the time to put him in position. Sometimes you'll see, you know, six DBs in a game when they're not even, you know, running three wide receivers. I mean, it is, it is a pressure and, and get after you kind of, kind of defense. The problem with that is, is that against the better quarterbacks like they have in the NFC South, Drew Brees and and Matt Ryan and Cam Newton, those guys get real excited when they see pressure most of the time. I mean, they don't want to take shots, but. If they know they're going to get some one-on-ones because you're bringing the house, um, they get pretty excited because they can they can you know make big plays that way. So there's, somewhere in there is the mama bear, but these guys are all about bringing heat, and they've been very successful doing it. Uh, I think I said this the other night. Look, Noah Spence looks like a totally different player, like a reborn guy coming off the edge in the three-four, and Shaq Barrett is doing a good job. Carl Nassib. Uh, is getting upfield and 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 knocking down passes and getting in the quarterback's face, and so you know it's looked really really good. But if I if I were a Bucks fan, I think what I would get really excited about, and we, you know, we've obviously you know talked about some of the better players and the acquisitions that they made, whether it's in Damakon Sue, um, you know, who had a, a day off, uh, you know. But when you have a Devin White, that that's where your hope lies, right? Uh, the middle linebacker that they got from LSU. But I think it's these young defensive backs. They're going to be the ones that are going to be the stars of this group. You know, I think you're going to see Sean uh, Murphy Bunting, you know, end up being the starter at nickel in the slot where he'll play probably, you know, almost three quarters of the time. I think, you know, you're definitely going to see Mike Edwards at safety. You might see Jamal Dean come in and play some. This new group of defensive backs, these guys are not looking at this as, you know, sort of a red shirt year. I mean, they're coming into play. And they're coming in to put up numbers. And when you had a team that had just nine interceptions a year ago, nine, and most of those from their linebackers, by the way, um, you know, they were 26th in the league. You really got nowhere to go but up. But I've seen, I've seen more footballs intercepted and caught. Um, and that's another thing. You need guys back there that don't drop them. Uh, and I think Mike Edwards has great hands. So if I were a Bucks fan, I'd be excited about what I'm seeing. Now, you know, on the other side, you, you need quarterbacks to not throw them the ball. And right now I think the offense, while it, it kind of pushed back a little bit on Monday, um, they have not been stellar, you know, in terms of protecting the football. They've thrown a number of interceptions, including Jameis Winston. And, uh, you know, so it's been – it's sort of been a mixed bag. I mean, that's just what training camp is when you're going against each other, you know, a good play on defense you feel great about, then not so great about what the offense just did and vice versa. So right now, the best player on defense for me, even though Devin White is doing very, very well and there are some others, is definitely Mike Edwards. On offense, it's Mike Evans. I mean, Mike Evans is just an elite player. And if you if you get a chance to watch this guy work and watch him practice and see the hands and the body control that he has, um, and, and, you know, Again, I go back to this time and again. The one thing the Bucks do well, if you're trying to start someplace, it's Jameis Winston can throw the ball to Mike Evans. Uh, and Mike Evans will make plays pretty much in any kind of coverage he's in. So that's been fun to watch. We're still waiting for Ronald Jones to kind of break loose. He's had some good plays, some not some good plays. 
um, you know, some drops in the passing game. Uh, you know, so there's they're pretty new into the uh, into the preseason, but I just wanted to mention how how good Mike Edwards was. And if you get a chance, again, you can go on Twitter and take a look at that celebration uh, at NFL Stroud, or you can go on online at TampaBay.com. This is all good news for Bucks fans. I mean, oh yeah, you know the offense can score and move the ball, mm-hmm. and, and it's essentially the same personnel as back from last year. I mean. A couple of receivers are changed out, but your offensive line is essentially the same for the most part. Jameis is there. You've still got Mike e- Evans, Cameron Bray, O.J. Howard. you got Peyton Barber back there. You know the offense can put up some points and move the ball. The defense was so passive the last two years. And yeah. that, that's the biggest complaint you know everyone had is sure, you know, sure. they were playing so far off the ball and letting teams dictate what was going to happen. And the fact that the Bucks defense – is now more aggressive, it's a better scheme, and they're executing it so far in training camp. And it's a few days in his training camp, I get it. But you didn't see this excitement. You didn't see this energy. You didn't see anything to be positive last year necessarily out of the defense in training camp. I mean, you know, they did their stuff, but this is good. I mean, this is what Bucks fans have been clamoring for for years is a defense that goes gets it. I think football has evolved too, you know, and and not to look. The best defense I ever saw in Tampa, of course, was the year that the Bucks won the Super Bowl in two thousand and two, and the Tampa two, which is really a concept, just a cover two concept that the Steelers, you know, back in their days when they were winning four Super Bowls, ran and Chuck Knoll, and of course Tony Dungy played for one of those Super Bowl teams, and so you you know it was in vogue, and it's still a coverage that is played on every level of football today. Um, but the principles were, you know, uh, were a little different. And, you know, even though occasionally they would play press man, occasionally they would blitz, occasionally they would do these things, you know, pre- predominantly their bread and butter was, you know, two deep zone. And the corners played off the wide receivers. And they, you know, came up and they, they tackled against the run and they set the edge and they had to be good tacklers as well as good, good ball defenders. Uh, you know, and, of course, you know, it was all predicated on the four guys up front getting pressure, you know, not having to bring blitzes per se, and then you know the speed of Derek Brooks and Hardy Nickerson before before uh, you know before that before Shelton Quarles, and so that was cool. That was Tampa's identity. I mean, they named, they actually gave the defense a name, the Tampa Two, right? That was run throughout the league, but the rules changes. Because, you know, John Lynch would sit in the middle there and he'd either come downhill and thump a running back or he would absolutely blast anything that caught the ball between the hash marks. I mean, that was the thing, right? Receivers could not just run straight across and through zones without, you know, their heads on a swivel because they were going to absolutely get, you know, depleted. And you can't do that anymore. I mean, you can do it, but you get a penalty, a fine, and probably a suspension. So there's no fear with these receivers that you know run through these zones in the middle of the field that they're going to get clocked and you know because of that the quarterbacks are just destroying the game. I mean they're you know the the passing percentage is so high, um, the yardage is way up. I mean when did you see this many guys throw for four thousand yards in a season? You know um, you know teams don't run the ball as much because frankly why would you? You know, uh, it, it's much more beneficial to get explosive plays out of the passing game. You know, it used to be when you threw the ball, you know, two, three things could happen and two of them were bad. Well, now it's mostly, you know, two of them are good. I mean, you're going to get a. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Key eye because you can't touch the receiver, um, you know, or you're going to have a big play and a catch and a reception. So I think because of that, the only way to counter it would seem to be, you know, to try to speed up the quarterback, you know, to not let him sit back there and pat the ball and play seven on seven or whatever, because they'll absolutely shred you, you know. And so to do that, you have to present a lot of different looks and a lot of different packages and, you know, try to get those busts in terms of protection. And, you know, maybe the receiver and the quarterback's not on the same page, but get the ball out of his hand. Now, it's a feast or phantom uh, defense. And I'll say this, you know, careful what you wish for, because there will be games, I assure you, and I've seen it with New Orleans. You know, when they go play the Saints, who had, you know, Rob Ryan and, 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 and some coordinators there in the past that absolutely just kept coming after people. And it was fine as long as the Saints got way up on you. But what happens is, is that I've seen many games where, you know, New Orleans would be up 17 to 3, but the damn defense is bringing the house and they're allowing these other teams to get back in the game on one play. You know, these teams are taking shot after shot after shot. And when they hit one, then all of a sudden they're back in it, 17-10, 17-17. And, you know, there's going to be games where you're going to say they had a big lead. Why did they keep coming after them? They gave up these big plays. So it really is a feast or phantom defense. And right now we're seeing the offense reacting a little slower and the defense winning. But it is something that Bucks fans will enjoy. You know, they're going to enjoy – uh, the up-tempo, they're going to enjoy the pressure, they're going to enjoy Todd Bowles' versatility and how many different players he uses and how many defensive backs um, and just how much pressure. So it won't be about, you know, one guy getting 12 and a half sacks on the defensive line or, you know, um, Noah, you know, Noah Spence will probably be a guy that will be used as a pass rusher, but it can come from any place. And I'm just – I'm encouraged watching these guys because – they're flying around. They're having fun. They're young. I mean, you know, the guys they brought in weren't part of this defense a year ago. And the guys that were part of this defense want to atone for that. And they learned a lot. You know, talking to Carlton Davis, he's like, look, I, you know, it di- wasn't good to be part of the worst defense in the NFL. You know, it just didn't, it didn't feel good. But I'll tell you what, um, we went through a lot. You know, we went through a lot of experiences, uh, mostly bad, but we learned from those. And now that we have a completely different you know, schematic change, and we believe in these coaches. We believe that they're putting us now in position to to help our skill sets, where we can play press coverage. They're excited, you know, and and I think players, you know, want to want you to give them something they can be successful with. And if you play to their abilities, that's that's really what coaching is, right? You try to put guys in position to make plays, and they're making them. So even though they're young. Um, you know, they're hungry, as Raheem Morris would say, we're young, we're hungry, we're youngry. <laughs> so they got some youngry <laughs> players out there. Uh, God, I miss Raheem. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's been fun to watch. And so you know, I hope you guys, Bucks fans, get a chance to go out there and see them uh, while they're still practicing or, and or 
uh, I think you'll enjoy the preseason games. But Mike Edwards is the guy to watch uh, right now in that defensive secondary. And again, check out the story. They'll be writing about him on uh, TampaBay.com. Also, the Bucks just made a couple of uh, transactions for those of you who uh, will know this name, Vincent Testaverde Jr. He was in the uh, rookie minicamp, if you remember, in the spring. The Bucks brought him back. They have signed him. He is their uh, really their fifth quarterback on the roster uh, because uh, Fitzgerald um, right now is uh, a guy that's uh, on non-football injury list because he, he kind of tweaked his hamstring. Nick Fitzgerald t- tweaked his hamstring playing beach volleyball, of all things. So a little top gun action for him there. But he, he should be back in a, in a couple of days in the meantime uh, or, or weeks. In the meantime, you know, Vincent Testaverde Jr., um, getting his chance, you know, I don't, I don't think he's going to get a ton of reps, obviously, but they do need, you know, guys that can throw the football. It's a great opportunity for him, so why not? So he is back. And Jack Sishi, if you remember, the Wisconsin linebacker that they drafted a year ago, uh, you know, his, most of his uh, final season at Wisconsin was messed up because he tore his ACL, came back after that, played last season uh, for a good stretch, and then suffered another knee injury, not as devastating as the ACL, I don't believe. Um, but he has been cleared. He started training camp on the active uh, physically unable to perform list, and he was cleared and was at practice and in uniform on Monday. So it was good to see uh, Jack running around out there. So that's where the Bucks are at. Um, they'll have practice again at 4 o'clock today. Uh, they will take uh, Wednesday off, and then they start back and have some 6.30 p.m. practices that you might want to check out as we head into the weekend, and then they'll be off Sunday. We're still – a long way from them playing their first preseason game. It'll be a week from Friday that they go to Pittsburgh and play the Steelers. So that'll be interesting. Um, and I'll be up there with, uh, with the Bucks for that game. Okay, so the Tampa Bay Lightning made a bunch of news. This, this I did not see coming, Steve. I mean, we've heard about, you know, Braden Point and what are they going to do with Braden Point? He's, you know, a guy that's uh, certainly looking at, at a big payday here coming up soon. But then they go and they sign uh, Andre Vasilevsky, to this enormous deal, eight years, seventy-six million dollars. It kicks in uh, next next year, I guess. But uh, you know, I, I understand. You know, if you got a chance to lock up a goaltender, because you know they're they're precious to begin with. They're they're so responsible for winning. And so, I mean, in my mind, I, I could be wrong about this. It feels a lot like a quarterback in the NFL. Um, but you got a young guy that's already won the Vesna Trophy, and he's only twenty-five years old. So good on them, right, in one hand for locking them up. But, you know, is, is this a smart move with the, some of the salary cap concerns that you have and some of the young core players that you want to resign like Braden Point? Well, Andre Vasilevsky was scheduled to be a restricted free agent at the end of this season, just like Braden Point is now. So he was going to get paid next year. Now, whether he would take a bridge deal, which is what Nikita Kucherov took several years ago and was paid – in the range of $5 million a year, $6 million a year for three years until he gets to free agency, and then he got the big contract, which actually is the same contract Vasilevsky got, eight years at $76 million. Or does Braden Point want the big deal now? That's, that's what the Lightning are trying to figure out, what Braden wants, what the Lightning can do, fits in with the salary cap and the plans. Now, Andre Vasilevsky, yeah, like a quarterback. If you're going to overpay for a position, goalie's the one to do it. It's the most important player on your team, essentially. So they signed Vasilevsky to eight-year deal that kicks in next year. So he'll still only get he's only three and a half million towards the cap this year. Then the big contract for nine and a half a year kicks in next year. 
Um, they were going to have to pay him next year, whether it was going to be at six or seven mil for a bridge deal or the long-term deal. They went ahead and signed him to the long-term deal. Now um, they, you know, essentially you, you, there's a no move or trade clause for the first four or five years of the deal. At the end of it, you could trade him if you needed to, to release some salary cap space or whatever, but he's young. He's, he might be the best goalie in hockey at times. He's definitely played like it the last two years. So why not lock him up? And, you know, he ties Kucherov for the highest paid player in the Lightning and, you know, probably deserves it. Yeah, I mean, look, if you think and, – and they have, you know, they've sort of handed up at this. But if you think he's a Marty Bredore type talent, which I assume they must, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that's a generational goaltender, right? I mean, that that's a guy who, you know, could go to the Hockey Hall of Fame one day. I mean, that's just who – the kind of quality we're talking about. Now, what I don't know and – because I don't know him very well. I know, I, you know from what I read, he's a very hard worker, very uh, obviously very driven, um, very successful at a young age. But you know what happens when you get this payday? You know, does does this at all change his work ethic? Um, you know, is this smart? You know, to devote this many this much resource? I think it is. I think it's the right thing to do. I don't know what the alternative would be. You certainly don't want to ever lose this guy, especially when you know sort of in your heart, and he's shown you what he is um, at goaltender. Uh, you know, and as long as, you know, Braden Point is still going to get his deal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't see any way that he won't. And as you mentioned, the the deal actually for Vasilevsky doesn't kick in until a year from now. So from a salary camp standpoint, there's no effect uh, this year. Uh, and then some more guys will drop off a year from now. So I think they do them both. I didn't see this coming before Point. In fact, I know some people that had talked to Vasilevsky's agent, and and he seemed to think that Point would come would go first. Mm-hmm. I don't know what impact this this has. You know, I guess in some ways, it's a good thing, right? If you're Braden Point, you want to know that if you stay in Tampa Bay and do a long term deal, that you know you're going to have a pretty good team because it starts with the goaltending, and you know that Vasilevsky's locked up. So that's that's a good move for them. Mm-hmm. So good, for, good on the Lightning. I mean, I think, uh, you know, look, they've assembled a pretty good young core of players that they want to control, and we, we've seen what they can do. You know, Steven Stamkos is, is getting up there, obviously, and he's not going to be here forever, and, um, you know, they, they still have a nice mix of veterans, but the young guys is the, are the future of this team, and, and it begins with, with uh, Vasilevsky. So I thought that was good news. If you're a Lightning fan, you should be really happy about that now. What is the other team uh, across the Bay in Tampa Bay going to do with the Major League Baseball training deadline coming up uh, on Wednesday? Uh, will the Rays make a move? And look, it, it looks like to me, Steve, that uh, th- there's still rumors of them uh, being you know, very active in trying to pursue, at, at minimum, a closer. Uh, we know they need bullpen help. So uh, I, I got to believe that there's – there's going to be some deal because as we sit here and, and do this podcast, of course, they're heading into a big series with the Red Sox. The Red Sox are still trailing them in, in the wild card race, but the Rays are on the outside, you know, behind the Cleveland Indians and the Oakland A's, but not that far behind. So they're in it, right? Despite all their woes and, and, and their struggles and things like that. And of course, they had the big, great comeback against Toronto after the collapse the night before, trailing by seven and winning the game. But if they can add a piece or two, uh, who knows what this team can do? Um, and and I, I still got to believe that, you know, without giving up the farm, because you, you're just competing not for the American League East at this point, but just maybe a wild card and a one-game play in, um, I think they're going to do something to help this ball club. 
I, I think they'll make some moves. The biggest question is, is this year you go all in, or do you save some of those bullets for next year, so to speak? Mm-hmm. In that next year's team is shaping up to on paper to look like it's going to be a better team than this year based on right. all these young players getting more experience in, in that, more young players coming back from Anthony Bonda and Brent Honeywell and seeing more of Nate Lowe and you know all these all the young guys that they have in this farm system, the best farm system in baseball now according to the MLB pipeline that you know you don't you don't want to give up a ton of prospects maybe to go for it this year because do you think you've got a shot to win it all this year? I mean, and obviously if you make the playoffs you have a shot. Yeah. But with baseball, the wild card being a one-game playoff, I mean, you don't even get a series to try to make it. You got one game. No, that's right. But with Charlie Morton on the mound. Well, you hope you have Morton on the mound if you don't have to use him the last day of the season to, to, to get there. To get in. I mean, right. Snell is expected yeah. back in September. Glass now may not be back. That's true. You know, so you don't know what you're – I mean, you hope to have Morton there, but if you're fighting for it the last day, he might be starting that Sunday or pitching in, even in relief on that Sunday depending on what you need. Yeah. The last game of the season, so I think any deals they make, any major deals they make, it's going to be a player they can control for beyond this year. It's going to be a player that is either arbitration eligible next year or still under contract for next year as well. So if you're going to give up big pieces, it's not going to be for a rental. You know they got Eric Sogard. They essentially traded away Hunter Wood and Christian Arroyo in, in different trades, but that's essentially what they traded to get Eric Sogard who will be a free agent at the end of the year, but those guys were not in your long-term plans. So it wasn't a big cost that it, it, it took to get to get him as far as you know what you're looking at next year and beyond as far as your team and your roster and your 40-man roster. So I think they're going to make moves. I think they have to. I think if they don't, it's going to, you know, I think it's going to signal the team that you don't believe in them if you don't make any move. Now, whether they go get the best closer or the, the, the best two closers in baseball – for a high price that maybe isn't worth it. I don't know if they'll do that, but I think you'll see some pitchers added, whether they're closers or maybe they're good setup guys that cost. I mean, a couple of years ago, I remember when they added guys like uh C and um, Jennings, and they added several different relievers because their bullpen needed the help. And then the bullpen got really good and the offense dried up, but you know, they weren't going necessarily getting closers from other teams, but they were getting really good setup guys. It seems unlikely they would give up the prospects that you mentioned, although there's still reports out there um, that the Rays have been asking a lot about Edwin Diaz of the Mets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, who knows? I mean, you still have guys, you know, Ken Giles of, 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 the, of the Blue Jays, Shane Green. There's been talk about him maybe joining the Yankees. Uh, he's still out there. So there, there's plenty even uh, – remember Kirby Yates, who used to pitch here, is with the Padres, mm-hmm. and then Colome with Alex the White Colum Sox. with the White Sox, yep. Have had really good years. Um, I'm with you though. I don't. I don't think they give up anything tremendous in terms of in terms of prospects to to sort of go all in, if you will, on this year. I mean, even if you kind of look at what they did with Sogard, I mean, you know, that's not a sexy player, right? But he he allows them to, you know, kind of have another versatile guy. You've had up and down performances by Adames and Joey Wendell. There's some thought that maybe Wendell will slide now to uh, to to shortstop. And, and, you know, give Adamas some days off and, and see if they can't get things going. Well, and adding um, Sogard and Duffy to this lineup now, you've got two contact hitters. That's right. Where you don't that's necessarily right. have to rely so much on the home run ball. You've got guys that can put the ball in play, move, move base runners by hitting the baseball instead of just waiting for that three-run home run or two-run home run. That's right. And with the injuries you have, 
it, it makes a lot of sense too until you get some guys back, you know, that uh, that he can fill in. Now, I wanted, uh, you know, Mark Topkin did a story. Uh, Topkin did a story on the uh, on the Rays in Tampa Bay dot com that you want to check out. But but among the things he's talked about this very trade deadline, he discussed the bullpen and we, you know, they, the results have not been very good. But if you just looked at the team stats like ERA. That's only 3.80, but and it's the third best in the majors. But you have to remember that a lot of those come because these guys are opening games, and the starters are pitching in relief and pitching a number of innings. But they're really starters; they're just not starting games. So it's a little skewed. But how about this for these numbers of uh, somewhat uh, unbelievable failure? So 15 times, Rays relievers have allowed a game tying or go ahead homer in the seventh inning or later. 15 times and three times with two outs in the ninth. I mean, really? That's that's really that's that's amazing to me. 17 times in 48 losses. Okay? They've allowed the go-ahead run in the 8th inning or later. 17 out of 48. You win half those games where are you at? Uh 53 runs have been scored against them in the ninth inning alone. That's the third most in the American League. And I mean, it, it's just it just goes on and on. So, you know, as the game wears on, they they seem to get a little worse for the wear. So they're gonna they're gonna need some help. Obviously, the Diego Castillo that pitched really well early in the season is is not quite as effective now. Of course, Jose Alvarado, same deal. He's not even available. So, I just don't think they're gonna leave them high and dry. I think you'll see another arm or two maybe in here. I'm with you though. I don't think it's gonna be one of these. You know, guys that, that teams are going to try to hold you up for ransom to get. Okay, so maybe a lot will depend on how the Rays do as they open a huge series uh, at Boston. It'll be Charlie Morton against David Price, the former Ray. So that's always a great matchup. And, you know, it'll be a critical series for both teams now as the Rays are just ahead of Boston, uh, sort of in that wild card chase. Uh, tomorrow as well, we're going to have Andrea Kramer, a good friend of, of mine and uh, somebody that you've watched for years and years covering the National Football League, still does. She has a story on Bruce Arians on HBO's uh, Real Sports with Brian Gumble that we'll talk about that's going uh, to air later tonight, I believe, on HBO. So you want to be on hand for that uh, as well on Wednesday. And then uh, the mailbag we're going to do later this week um, that will be, what, Wednesday for Thursday, I believe, Steve? Yes, so, yeah, we'll take that on Wednesday, so get your questions in now. That's correct. Yeah, you can, you can do that just by sending. You can do this anytime, by the way, if you have a question. Send it to us on Twitter, at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter, at NFL Stroud. Or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. We'll also have Tom Jones joining in the show, my former radio partner, uh, probably on uh, Friday. So uh, lots of things happening, as well as the Bucks. Are back at practice at 4 p.m. today at uh, their Advent Healthcare Training Center. So if you get a chance to go out there, be prepared to maybe go inside because the weather hasn't exactly uh, cooperated. And folks, speaking of weather, uh, we know it's still very, very hot out there. And you've got a choice of air conditioning companies. And I'm just going to tell you, you need to call my friends Howard and Sue Million at Millionaire. Currently, they're offering 0% interest for 72 months on their qualifying equipment. So give them a call. At 727-862-2100, you can take advantage of uh, this great offer, and uh, you can schedule service or maintenance. So that's 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. For Steve Burstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 